Moncrief on News Talk. Time for a Tell Me Why with Graham Finlay. Uh, today's question is, why am I terrible at remembering jokes? Thomas wants to know. Graham, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, now, now, is this just jokes, really, that people are, are bad at remembering at, or does it, is it many other things? Well, people are just bad at remembering stuff. There's only so much room we have in our short-term memory. And, you know, while helpfully they try to, it tries to focus, your brain tries to focus on the most important stuff, um, it sometimes gets it wrong. Because what your brain really wants to, to, to remember are key patterns, and that's how memories are made. They think, memory is really difficult to figure out, but they think that the actual neurons become, the connections become thicker, sort of the, the more important something is, but um, what it, your brain thinks is most important is a pattern. And so uh, the problem with jokes, and so that's why you remember really bad jingles. You re- remember Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and things like that, but you don't remember oddball facts or, you know, the the PIN code to your, your, your credit card or whatever. So, um, and that's why you, you, you have a hard time remembering jokes because jokes tend to subvert these patterns, uh, even as they're highly structured. So good jokes especially subvert these patterns. You know, they don't, it's not clear what's going to happen next and then you're surprised by it and that makes it a good joke, which is why it's hard to remember jokes, but it's easier to remember bad jokes because knock-knock jokes, straight-up puns, you know, just really corny jokes tend to be easier to remember. Um, and that apparently is why dads use them, but they use them for complex reasons, actually. They've, they've studied dad jokes. But so, so it's hard to remember jokes uh, because you have to get it exactly right. And it's also um, easier to remember bad jokes because they follow a very, very strict pattern, one which we're, we're really used to. Um, and it's really quite striking that jokes are so carefully constructed as they are because laughter and joking is universal. And you'd think there'd be all sorts of different ways to do it. But in fact, we all react to jokes pretty similarly. Even deaf people follow the structure of a joke in terms of when the laughter comes as well. So they don't interrupt people making a joke in sign language. Uh, and, and they laugh if, if, they, if, you know, if, they, if it's a good joke in sign language um, at the exact same times as people would using a, a spoken language. Right. OK, so the, the, there's a pattern to a joke. Would that not make a joke then easier to remember? Well, that's the thing. It, you know, it has to be remembered exactly. I mean, I think we all, it's like the, the, the punchline was something, something, your mama. Right? You know, that's just not going to work. You know, and that's, that's, a, that's, I'm pretty sure, what Thomas has experienced, right? He starts to try and tell the joke. He gives the punchline first. You know, it all goes awry, right? Um, but, you know, it, the, what, you know, the thing about the pattern is if it doesn't really subvert what it's ostensibly doing as language, then it, it doesn't work as a joke. Um, and, and so, um, and there's lots and lots of theories of humor, which, have, which go back a long way, because people sort of notice that, that humor is doing something, but, uh, and it's important, but, but it's been really hard to, to say. So Freud had um, an incredibly unfunny book called Jokes and Their Relation to the Unconscious, where he claims that what was going on was exactly what's going on in dreams, which is all the ways in which you, you want to blurt out, I would like to sleep with my mother, but you can't say that in polite conversation. <laughs> that's his so you, to everything, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's not funny, right? You know, like, uh, you know, happy Mother's Day, everybody. But, you know, um, so you have to, you know, but you, you really want to say this, right? And, and so you, you, you find a way through humor to put it out in a way that disguises it in some kind of way. And he mm. thinks that that's the same way these things tend to come out in dreams. And, and so the idea is that, that laughter is a sort of a relief. 
Um, but, you know, this is a bit of a crude and, and simplistic theory because laughter is, is sort of omnipresent, is more complicated than that. But so the idea is that, you know, jokes are something we allow ourselves to do and maybe we even need to do as a society as a way of letting off steam and, and, and uttering the unutterable, uh, but also as a way of, of sort of connecting with other people. And, and, and one of the interesting things about laughter is it's really, you'd think, we often think, oh, it's been mostly provoked by humor and jokes and things. In fact, only 10 to 20% of uh, laughter is provoked by jokes. It's, it's usually provoked by completely boring and banal sentiments, which suggests mm. that there's an awful lot more going on there than just telling a joke. But it's sufficiently, jokes are sufficiently important that if you tell a bad joke, it makes people really mad. <laughs> this is something they've discovered. That, and, and the more you have a relationship with the bad joke teller, the, the meaner you're going to be to them. Right. So it's a very interesting result. Right. Okay. Now, the, the, so we don't really exactly know then what makes people laugh or why they're laughing. Well, we've got a lot of theories um, and there's some evolutionary theories. And again, we have to have some kind of engagement with this because it's, it's universal. Um, everybody laughs. In fact, a lot of people think that, uh, you know, some of the sort of mouth open behaviors of dogs and, and, and chimpanzees and stuff like that are analogous to laughter. And then again, people can always say, my dog laughs all the time, right? It's something we do incredibly young. I think most people will remember the time when babies really first start to laugh and babies are pretty easy to entertain, frankly. Mm. Um, so, and, and it plays such a huge social role. It's, um, and accordingly, it's shot through all of the other messed up stuff which is going on in society. So Freud was onto something. Right. So we tend to, we always laugh at the end of a sentence. It's, it's quite strict. You don't laugh in the middle of a sentence. Um, the person who, who's talking often does more of the, the laughing than the audience, uh, which, which is okay, right? You can, you can laugh at your own jokes, but uh, so people will say something like, good to see you and laugh, right? Mm. Uh, and, but you don't say, good to laugh and see you, yes. <laughs> see you right? You don't, you, that would be just a completely uh, violation. And we don't do it anyway. We don't, you know, we can fake laugh, but try it. And it's actually a very creepy thing to be trying to do. Um, it's also a very aggressive thing to do if you fake laugh at, at, at someone's joke, <laughs> among other things. That's a very aggressive thing to do. But mostly if you go around telling people to laugh, they can't do it. Um, and they certainly can't do it in the convincing sort of reactive, primal, basic, sort of dumb way in which, you know, it, your your brain responds to a whole host of, of social situations. So... Uh, they're all, all of this is pretty, pretty structured, but it's also very gendered. Uh, women laugh 126% more than men. You are 30 times more likely to laugh in, in a group than by yourself. Uh, you might smile, you might mm. talk to yourself before you laugh. It's, um, it's highly social and, and it plays a variety of social roles. And these range from the you know, self-deprecating, showing that you're, you're not aggressive, you know, showing all sorts of positive things, perhaps, to trying to control people, trying to manipulate them, trying to assert your superiority. Uh, but it, yeah, but it, it is infectious in that sense that you can, you can hear something, you can hear a joke by yourself and go, eh, uh, uh, but if you hear it in the company of other people who laugh, you'll be far more inclined to laugh. That is that is a real a real feature. One of the interesting things is they've tried to study this, and you know one of the hindrances they had is that if someone's reading a book, right, or watching television and they're by themselves and they laugh, well, this is a sort of social situation. You know, your your brain doesn't really 
um, process that you're by yourself, and so laughter is maybe inappropriate or just not worth its its energy. Uh, but you know, so that you, it is contagious, um, and you know that's why they use laugh tracks uh, for for sitcoms. And um, it'd be interesting to study you know the effects of different sitcoms, some of which don't use laugh tracks. But that they got in on the ground floor in 1950, so they've been with us for a long time. It is contagious. People laugh. People laugh nervously. Uh, you know, and, and, and it can really catch along. It, it really is a powerful sort of social signal. And like all these primal things, it does tend to be infectious. The most bizarre thing is contagious laughter, which is when people start laughing and they can't stop. And we're not, we're not talking about, you know, 15 minutes. We're talking about days, mm-hmm. you know, of, of people just sort of constantly laughing. And the, the most famous case was in Tanzania in 1962, where a whole girls' school started laughing uncontrollably. So they sent them home because it was impossible to do any schooling um, and they just passed it on to their families. Right. So it was a bit like the current pandemic, only with laughter. Um, And so a thousand people eventually got long term contagious laughter. Uh, So so again, laughter is is, as primal and can be spread almost as effectively as a virus. Right. And, And how do they make them stop laughing? Do they dispatch a squad of dads to tell them bad jokes? Yeah, that's possibly true. I, I don't know exactly how they did get it. I think they just let it run its course, really, and they eventually achieved herd immunity. So it's, um, I mean, I guess you could all just sort of, you know, isolate ourselves and hopefully yes. hopefully it eventually <laughs> stop, you know, because it is <laughs> contagious. But, uh, I, you know, I should, I should know. I'm going to go find out exactly what the cure for contagious laughter is. Um, now, dad jokes, they have done the psychology of dad jokes, which frequently work on puns. And um, this is really interesting. Again, if your dad tells you a really bad joke, mm-hmm. you might punish him by, by like, people get really angry when you tell a bad joke. And I think that's because you're expecting a payoff. Some, I mean, again, Freud wasn't totally out of the picture. You know, some kind of pleasure from, from the incongruity of the situation or something unexpected, you know, relieving your tension, making your, your brain feel good, um, and then you don't get it. So you might punish them. On the other hand, if they're just bad enough, you know, you might be able to groan or sort of, you know, enjoy that. But if you're, 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 your dad, who is, if you're a child, right, you know, I presume dads don't tell dad jokes to people they're not related to. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're a child, it's your dad sort of subverting his own authority and, and bonding with you in, in, some, in some way. Uh, in a in a kind of non-threatening way, in a way which sort of exposes him to the kind of mild criticism which comes with telling a really bad joke, and uh, and and so they do see, does seem to work in terms of, of of family bonding, and it also can be self-reinforcing. People can, you know, groan at the joke, and then it becomes a thing which you you and your dad have together, right? Um, and there, interestingly, there are no mom jokes, and that's where the gender mm. nature of joking comes into play. Uh, men tend to be the joke givers and women the joke takers, and uh, men are you know trying to provoke laughter and, and women tend to do the laughing. And and while this is deeply sinister and shows our incredibly oppressive and gendered society, it also manifests itself in real world mating. You know, women vastly prefer men who make them laugh, right? And they've they've done studies on this, uh, and men are offering the ability to make women laugh. Uh, uh, when when they're putting in, say, personal ads in newspapers. And yeah, like oh, that. yeah. Good sense of humor means prepare to laugh at my jokes. Uh, um, yeah. Uh, so going back to poor old Thomas, who can't remember any jokes, would the advice be as soon as you've heard a good joke, just keep repeating it to yourself uh, over and over and over again? So, you know, you, you, it's kind of grooved into your brain. 
Yeah, that would be good. I mean, it's just like learning to play a piece of music, right, on the piano or something like that. Practice makes perfect, right? So, and I'm, I, I think comedians will tell you that, you know, um, now some of them are just funny people, obviously, but and they all should be funny people, but they actually work quite hard <laughs> at telling jokes mm. uh, and then they write them down and things like that. So if Thomas really is worried that he's never going to be able to get a mate without learning some jokes, uh, uh, then, yeah, he could practice. He could um, try and notice the structure and, and, and sort of memorize them that way. He should steer away from puns and knock-knock jokes, just a word of advice, Thomas. Uh, um, and interestingly, actually, puns, while the lowest form of humor, um, are really actually quite popular. And, and the payoff for your brain is really is really quite clear. The left side of your brain processes the sort of the, the linguistic material, but it takes a brief moment for the right side of your brain realizes that it's got multiple meanings. So let's not, you shouldn't shun the pun too extensively, but, you know, mix it up. Uh, again, think about, you know, again, if, say you're trying to acquire me, I'm not sure what Thomas is in this for, uh, but, you know, a lot of the, the joke, you know, how much time do we spend telling really constructed jokes if we're not stand-up comedians, right? So I think Thomas is putting a little bit too much pressure on himself, but if he really feels like he needs some jokes in his repertoire, practice, practice, practice. Yeah. Graham, thanks a million as ever. Graham Finley there. You are listening to the Moncrief Show on News Talk. Moncrief on News Talk.